0: Welcome back. I'm Peter Medlin, and you are listening to Teacher's Lounge, where we're telling the stories of education with the people who make it happen every day, the folks molding the minds of the youth, local teachers. And I am hereby inviting you to also be a part of the show. The teachers we have on are all nominated by our listeners. So all you have to do is drop us a line with your suggestion at niu.edu. And you could also do that if you have any story ideas, any issues, or things that popped up in your community or across the state that you think that we should be talking about on the show, we'll gladly take those on our email as well. On this week's show, we have Trudy Delorier. She's a reading specialist at Morris Elementary in Morris, Illinois, and... She also has therapy dogs. Two golden retrievers named Martha and Thelma Lou, And I also got to meet a whole group of other therapy dogs that come by the school once a month for students to read to and sometimes tell jokes.
1: One of the fun things is to see the little kids read to the dogs because I think they really think the dogs are really, really, really paying attention and they will often read and then turn the book around and make sure the dog has seen the illustration, which I think is just darling when they do that.
0: We also talked about the end of her teaching career as she's reaching her final years before retirement. And we also talked about what it's like for her when students come in to use the dogs as emotional support and talk to them about more serious things that might be happening in their lives. That's all coming up later on, but first, let's start the show. Now, I know you guys are excited about Martha and Thelma Lou and all the other therapy dogs. I mean, there's a Greyhound who's probably the fastest dog I'll ever pet in my life. Adorable. But anyway, before we get to that, we do have a couple things that we want to cover, including some important stuff that's going on, like elections. Early voting has officially started in this state in Illinois, and so I talk to people about what it takes for your local cities and counties to prepare for a presidential election with cybersecurity questions and new equipment and all that. So really quick, let's get into that. That is the sound of election integrity. Well, actually, it's just a long receipt printed out by a voting machine. It has every race, candidate, and every party. And since voting starts less than five minutes from this moment, it all reads zero. Jessica Rujario is a deputy clerk in DeKalb County.
1: All of the numbers
0: have to match every day. They compare those numbers to the paper ballots, no app required. Okay, sir, there you are, ready to go. I'm all set. Now it's 8.30 a.m., and Doug Johnson grabs his ballot and heads over to a booth. He's the DeKalb County clerk, so it's his job to make sure voting in the county goes off without a hitch. He's also the test run, so he gets to be the first to vote. You are finished. Thank you for voting. One. Public count One. Back in 2016, Russian operatives hacked the Illinois voter registration database. But state election officials say no voter information was manipulated. Rockford has its own elections board separate from Winnebago County. Stacy Bixby is the executive director of the commission. As for the Russian hacking, she says... With us, they hadn't gotten anything. After the Russian infiltration, the state of Illinois invested millions in federal funds from the Help America Vote Act to start a cyber navigator program. Bixby says it's already helped their team. It has made my IT company much more aware of how our securities have to be and how tight they need to be and addresses that need to be blocked. Doug Johnson back into Calb agrees that the state has been doing more to ensure security. The state of Illinois even sent up some technology security advisors to analyze all of our equipment, everything that we're doing, our procedures and we passed flying colors. This election cycle concerns also include domestic glitches in voter registry integrity. A programming error inadvertently registered more than 500 non-citizens to vote last month, and the Illinois Board of Elections said hundreds of former inmates could have been taken off the voting rolls. But people like Johnson and Bixby don't want you to worry about your vote being compromised. Here's Bixby on what happens after you cast your ballot.
1: So they move from the judges to our IT department in our counting center and are
0: uploaded. So as long as there's no internet or modems in our equipment,
1: nobody can get to that
0: media. Those election judges also keep track of spoiled ballots, ones incorrectly marked or otherwise replaced. Johnson says they always need more election judges. And as elections utilize more technology, their job also demands more tech savvy. And aside from cybersecurity, Johnson says DeKalb County is thinking about polling location security, too, mainly for the general election in November. It's going to be contentious.
1: I'm not going to have full time, but what I do is I ask uh,
0: all the law enforcement in DeKalb County that if they have an officer available that's driving by a poll, stop in. Election administrators also have to prepare polling locations. They check each voting machine to make sure they're working. And sometimes locations decide they just don't want to host polling locations anymore. In LaSalle County, they've recently had to move some. One polling spot in a nine-story residential complex moved to make access easier. Lori Bongartz is the county clerk.
1: Thought it was time to make a change to go to find someplace bigger and more parking area for the voters there.
0: Counties typically err on the side of consistency and keep the same spots for years. The voting machines themselves need inspection and sometimes replacement. DeKalb County recently bought new ones from Kane County. Doug Johnson said DeKalb's previous machines were nearly 20 years old. Our other ones were getting so old they don't make them anymore and we would have to cannibalize ones that were getting old and for parts and everything. So far in Rockford, they've been pleasantly surprised with the number of early voters they've had. And it's only gonna get busier as the primary gets closer and undecided voters make their choices. Now it's time for the news roundup. Just going to spend about a minute or so going through some education news that you might have missed. Illinois Governor J.B. Pritzker gave his annual state budget address, which has a lot to say about what education funding in Illinois is going to look like through the next year. And this time around, his proposed budget ties education funding, at least some education funding, to his graduated income tax that Illinois voters are going to decide on in November. You might know it as the progressive income tax. So that means that $350 million a year for a decade that was promised to Illinois schools back in 2017 will likely not be met this year, and even if it does, it'll happen eventually, but schools are still going to have to budget and plan as if that money's not going to be there. Right now, only $150 million of that 350 is accounted for. Advance Illinois is an education advocacy group, and they called it, quote, devastating. Like I said, that $350 million was supposed to try to get every Illinois school district to 90% of their adequacy goal of funding, so that money is supposed to be doled out to the schools that have the most need for equity. Over 1.5 million Illinois students attend schools that are still underfunded, and even with the whole $350 million, the state wasn't projected to meet its goals by 2027 anyway. So we'll see how that goes and if things change in the spring. Wow, that was a lot of numbers. Did I get in under a minute? I think it was about a minute and 10, 12 seconds. That wasn't too bad, right? But anyway, we're done with state budgets for now. It is time for the dogs. You hear that sniffing? That's Trudy's dog, Thelma Lou, getting to know me.
1: More children, come on, we have to go back to our place. She was yeah, very, very interested in
0: my microphone. It's not like I often get an assignment where I get to hang out with a bunch of therapy dogs, so just like the kids that were there to read for them, I had to make the most of this opportunity.
1: She's like, does he have food? What does he eat?" I don't, I
0: promise it's not. All right, come on. During the hour or so that I was there petting all of the dogs, every single one of the dogs, Groups of these kids, from kindergarten all the way through fifth grade, would wander into the library, pick out a dog, and sit down. They read to them, and some of them even told them jokes. It was adorable. like. So after the kids left, and I finished saying goodbye and brushing the fur off of myself, I caught up with Trudy in her office next to her dog beds and stuffed animals to talk about her work.
1: They love to come here, they really do, Yeah, and they they love to sit on the dog bed and read and snuggle up with her. And I mean, I could show you bazillions zillions of pictures of the kids having a good time with one of the dogs. It and really how, is. It's how really o-
0: How often do the dogs come in here?
1: About once a week I have the dogs. Since now I have two dogs that come to school, usually I bring one in the morning and then at lunchtime I run home and bring the other one in the afternoon so they both get a chance to come. because in the morning when I'm getting ready to go to school, if I get a vest down off the hook, they both crowd the door, they're ready to go. So then they both get a chance to come that day.
0: And your dogs are, just for the record, your dogs are Thelma Lou and yep. Martha. Right. I got okay. to meet both of them just right. now. I'm a big fan. Okay. <laughs> you have another dog too, you have, you have three. We do,
1: we have an, a third dog. So Martha's the oldest, she's eight. And then we have Gertie, who's five, and Thelma Lou, who you met, who's three. And Gertie, who's five, is just she has a personality where she's very nervous. So going into new situations like a school or a hospital where there's noises and smells and kids poking and things like that would just not be for her. She does, um, my husband is a former principal at a school here in town, and so she does go with him to that school. It's much smaller, and she'll go with him. Gertie goes to that school, and she does tricks and things and gets to, so she gets her time. I think I not, saw
0: Gertie jump through a hoop or two. Yes, yeah, she
1: did. <laughs> I yeah. saw her
0: jump over a hoop and over a dog or two.
1: Right, and she'll do that in schools that um, my husband will have a teacher lay down on the floor, and then the dog jumps over the teacher, and then he'll have a <laughs> couple kids. It, it is. It's just like the monster truck. So <laughs> anything for entertainment value. I don't yes. know how educational it is, but, yeah, the kids get a big kick out of it. So
0: at the, the sit-stay read, is uh-huh. that correct? Right. I, I got it. You guys had, like, ha- about a seven or eight dogs there today? Today
1: we had seven, and then it just varies. So the least amount of dogs we've had that came one month was five dogs, and then the most we've had, I think, was eight.
0: And so I got to meet some of those today, too. Right. I mean, we had... Greyhounds. Yep. A lot of goldens. Yes. Lot of, a, a, was there a golden doodle? Or we had that?
1: a golden doodle, so yeah. The greyhound
0: I got to meet and, and sh- some kids were petting it. And what was the greyhound's handler's name?
1: That's Miss Jody.
0: Miss Jody. Yeah. And the kids were petting the, cutting the, the dog, and she goes, you know, this is probably the fastest dog you'll ever pet. <laughs> and I was like, that's a really interesting way to describe it. But yeah, I guess that probably yeah. is true. <laughs> the
1: kids always want to know if the dog ran, won races when it, when it raced, and she always says, if it won, it probably wouldn't be here. It probably wouldn't have been out for adoption but
0: this one has picking up a second career Yeah, exactly
1: yeah
0: <laughs> I'm curious for you as a would you say reading specialist is the right yep, it is. is the right term were you doing that before you had the dogs and before that all started
1: so I was a classroom teacher just like Miss Crump on Andy Griffith I did that for 32 years and then I was just looking for a change for myself after 32 years it was time to do something a little different and this job as a reading specialist came open because someone was retiring so I was able to move to this job and at the same time I moved to this job um... we got in our school a new um, director of special populations and we just happened to be visiting one day about our new jobs to us and she noticed on my bulletin board that I had some pictures of my dogs so we were visiting about our dogs and we both said at almost exactly the same time I'd love to have a therapy dog at school and I had done research on a place to go to get training but I couldn't find anything but this lady, Mrs. Stover, M- Marie Stover, knew of a place for me to go for a therapy dog training so I got connected through her to go get Martha certified as a therapy dog. And then Marie Stover was the one here at school who smoothed the way, did whatever legal things we had to do so that we could have a dog in the building. So she took care of that red tape for us.
0: One more thing. I wanted to get into the how long it takes, what the process is to get get them certified. But one of the things I saw the blog that you have about about the dogs. And one of the things I was curious about was the names of the dogs. They're all like patriotic.
1: So Martha's name is patriotic. Her dad um, is... Uh, Flag, so his um, AKC name is Wave the Flag, and his call name is Flag. Martha's mom's name is Old Glory, that's her AKC name, but her call name is Betsy, as in Betsy Ross. Yeah. So when Martha was born, um, she was given also a patriotic name, and so her AKC name is the First Lady, and so she's named after? Martha Washington. Martha Washington. You got it, Peter. Good for you.
0: I may have cheated because I read (laughs) that earlier today. I don't know if I would have got that, but I'm going to say it counts. I did my research. And outside of the dogs, with just your um, the reading that you do, the reading specialist, the uh, reading intervention. Do you want to talk a little bit about, about what that looks like for you most of the time?
1: You mean my dogs at home?
0: No, no. About what you do here at the school. Okay. Yeah.
1: So, as a reading specialist, I work with kids that are struggling readers, and I see kindergarten through fifth grade students. And they will come to me every day, five days a week. They come to me for a half hour, and I have small groups, anywhere from one child up to five children in a group. And they come down for a half an hour, and we work on reading skills and then I walk them back to their room and then I get a different group and that's what I do all day long and so on the day that the dogs are here the kids have practiced something that they're going to read or perhaps we have something new they're going to read and they'll sit on the floor and they read to the dogs one of the fun things is to see the little kids read to the dogs because I think they really think the dogs are really, really, really paying attention and they will often read and then turn the book around and make sure the dog has seen the illustration which I think is just darling when they do that.
0: That's adorable. Yeah. That's fantastic. And you mentioned that you were a classroom teacher beforehand for 33 years. You're from the area too, right? I do.
1: I'm born and raised in Morris, so I've lived here my whole life.
0: Really? And, let's see if I get this right, was your mother also a teacher?
1: My mom um, was a registered nurse and for part of her time she taught health occupations at the Grundy Area Vocational Center at our local vocational school. So she was a teacher, but of of health occupations for a while. My dad was a teacher. And he Your dad taught, was a teacher. Yeah, my dad taught for over 50 years. So he taught for 30-some years at the Morris High School. He was an art and ceramics teacher. And then when he um, retired from the high school, he moved to our local Catholic school, Immaculate Conception, and he taught there for another 20-some years. And so he got 50 years of teaching in before he was done. 50 years? Yeah, so he had you know, students, and then he had their children, and then he had their grandchildren. I don't know if he ever had any great-great-grandchildren, but boy, he had, I mean, he knew just about everybody in town, and everybody in town knew him.
0: Yeah. Great-grandchildren would be a big feat. I, you, I don't think That would be he got a, quite to a card <laughs> that you could pull on someone. I don't think like, he got <laughs> to
1: great-grandchildren, but I know he got to grandchildren, plenty of grandchildren, yeah. Would
0: you say that they are probably one of the reasons that you got into education then?
1: I think very much so. I, As I grew up, it was one of those things I just knew. I just knew I would someday be a teacher. It's from when, I, when you
0: were a little kid? You, from when
1: I was a little kid. God, that when,
0: must be nice. No, exactly. <laughs> no I'm
1: kidding. Yeah. I, didn't, I didn't have to wonder about it. When I was in high school, I very much thought, because I loved dogs, and I didn't get a dog till I was 15 because my dad was terrified of dogs, so um, I thought I would like to be a veterinarian. And I worked for a veterinarian for a couple summers. I loved surgery. I loved to go out and farm calls. But as I looked at the schooling I needed to do and how much I needed to know about math and science, it just wasn't going to gel for me. I would not have a good, I would not be a good fit for um, having to put a horse down or having to put a dog down. So I knew that wasn't going to be a good fit. And I became a teacher obviously, but I've often thought now, this is a great gelling of the two things for me. I get to have my dogs here at school. I get to talk to people about dogs, but I also get to be with kids all day. So it's a fantastic meeting of the two things for me.
0: Right, who would have thought that you would finally be no, able to marry yeah. those two things? You never
1: know what the plan's going to be, but yeah, those things came, intersected here in the end of my career.
0: And so where were you teaching at for the majority of the time that you were a classroom teacher? Were you teaching at the uh, Immaculate I, Conception?
1: I spent my first six years at Immaculate Conception, and then I married the principal. So... <laughs> 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 it's funny how life happens, yeah. So um, there wasn't any rule, but we thought one of us should go, so he made more money than I did. <laughs> so I taught, Understandable. One, yeah, yeah. I taught one year at a Catholic school in Joliet. And then there was an opening in the public school, District 54, back here in Morris in my hometown. And that's where my husband and I lived, so I came back to District 54, so I've been here for a long time.
0: Yes. I just met your husband as well. He was he was with Martha over right, the dogs. Right, yes. right.
1: And so I'm at District 54. I'm a public school student. I, this is where I went through school, and then I have been here as a teacher.
0: And I believe, did I meet your daughter today as well? Yes.
1: So our daughter Jackie is a high school teacher. She teaches at Bishop Mack in Kankakee, and she teaches religion all day, So and she really enjoys it.
0: Was that something that when she because you mentioned that when you were a kid you knew exactly what you wanted to do. Was it the same for her? Could you tell since when she was really young that she also wanted to teach?
1: Yes, very much so. I think Jackie also always knew that someday she would be a teacher.
0: You know, one of the things I saw on your, I think it was on the blog or it was on some sort of post about you when I was doing this (laughs) research. Talk
1: about the blog because that is so old.
0: Listen, I I have to bring it up because there's one thing I saw in there where I was like, okay, well, I'm just not going to not get through this whole interview and bring this up. Okay. There was something about chicks that you had in your classroom. I did. And there was something I want to talk about that says something about the Museum of Science and Poultry. Yes. And I read that and I was like, I have to know more about what this means.
1: (laughs) So, Please, Trudy,
0: enlighten me on this.
1: So I have a veterinarian here in town that I worked with, and he has a lot of ducks and chickens, and he would bring us eggs that he new were fertilized. Again,
0: that connection to animals yep. and to yep. veterinary. Dr. So,
1: Dave right. Bainbridge. And he would bring the eggs and I had them in incubators. And so we would learn all about embryology. We would learn about the eggs and what we needed to do and how many days it was going to take for them to hatch. And then our chicks would hatch. And um, there, at the time, we had an extra classroom in our hallway. And so we had a museum of science and poultry. And we did all kinds of egg experiments. And we so then like we would what? create what we would create a hands-on museum, and other classes would come to visit. So what kind did of you exhibits know, would be in? The- did you know that if you put um, a carton of eggs on the floor, and the eggs are in the carton, and you take off your shoes, you should be able to stand on the eggs.
0: On the carton of eggs.
1: Yeah, right on the. You put your bare foot on the carton of eggs on the on the eggs themselves, and they will support you. That's how strong they are. I had no idea. Yep. So we would do that with kids. So I would the the kids would tell the my my students would tell like the kindergartners about this, and then I would stand there and I would pick up a kindergartner and, and put them if they had their feet flat, you know, not pointed down at the floor or pointed up, and they had their feet flat, and I would set the child on the eggs, and they would not crack.
0: So I could could I, I don't know
1: I don't know how I <laughs> don't
0: know if I could support the eggs get, myself. You might now. have to
1: get several dozen, you know, when they're in that yes. carton and they have that support. And they, they really did support a child. I think the heaviest child we had one time was like 120 pounds that was able to stand on the eggs.
0: Get the best, most organic kind <laughs> you can. I don't know. I don't that. know.
1: But, <laughs> it, but it did work.
0: So you were a classroom teacher for 33 years. How many years have you been doing the reading specials in that?
1: This is my fourth school year as a reading specialist, and I have two more to go, and then I'll retire. So I'll retire when I'm 60 years old.
0: So you've only got two more years left. So how does it, how does it feel? Can you kind of see the the light at the end of the tunnel now? Like, do you feel, can you feel like you're getting close or is it something that just because of how busy you are on a daily basis, it's hard to have that perspective.
1: It is hard to have that perspective. Occasionally someone will ask me, you know, how, how much longer are you going to do this? When are you going to retire? Um, our staff here in District 54 is very young. We have a lot of young teachers here. So I'm kind of a dinosaur in the building very much so. I'm old enough to be pretty much everybody's mom and that's okay. But it's hard to believe that there'd be a day where I don't get dressed and go to school and that I don't do this all day. But that it, it is the nature of the job. Someday there will be a last day.
0: Yeah, yeah. Yeah. There's going to be a last day of there's school gonna eventually. There's
1: going to be a last day of <laughs> yeah.
0: yeah. Could you point to something or maybe it doesn't have to be a specific thing, but some of the things that you've learned that you feel like these are some of the great lessons I've learned about how to teach people things, how to be an educator, maybe not for specific grades, but just in general, what are some of the great lessons that you feel like you've learned about education?
1: I think every kid has a story. Every person has a story. And so I know when I was younger and a child perhaps didn't bring their homework back, and I would be all over them about, Oh, well, why didn't you have this social studies assignment? As you um, get older, you realize that there are reasons other than just they just didn't do it or didn't want to do it, that everyone has a story. And if you can be patient enough, and I think I've... Um, That was one of the things, one of the qualities in my own life that I had to work on was patience, that as I became more patient and I would um, stop and listen to a child, they often had a real reason that they weren't able to get the homework completed, not just that they just didn't do it. And getting
0: that perspective, is that just experience, just seeing a lot of kids in the classroom and getting to know them like that? Is it... I'm sure having your own kids probably yeah, helps that with that a too, right? Yeah, that makes a difference
1: too, sure. sure. So having two kids at home, um, especially the years that my kids were about the same age of the kids that I taught all day long. Did you, so you ever have them? No, I didn't. You didn't? I didn't. So our kids went to ICS. They went to Immaculate Conception, the Catholic school, with my husband. And okay, then I so was, they were, their, your they were, had them they were there. Your husband. They were with their dad. So <laughs> yeah. they had their dad as their eighth grade religion teacher. So he had them as students, but I never did. Yeah. Yeah.
0: And so even after you retire, are you going to keep on going with the the dogs with the therapy? I
1: I certainly will. I think that that's um, where I'm being led now. That um, I think that everybody's life has a plan whether you and I can see what the plan is. I think God has a plan for us and I think that's his plan for me now. That that was his way to marry those things to have the animals and the teaching come together and now i'm able to um as i'm coming to the twilight of my education career that i'll be able to move on with the therapy dogs martha is a volunteer with Vitas healthcare and so she visits people that are in hospice care and she sees people at the end of their life we're also um, new volunteers for the morris hospital so we'll be able to visit people in the hospital here we visit the nursing home and the assisted living here in morris quite a bit and it's an it's an It's another field, it's another way to get to know people and to share that gift of the dogs with people other than children. You just never know what someone's story is, and especially when they're petting a petting a dog. Can I just tell you a good story? Absolutely. Okay. Often when I'm here at school, I'll have a teacher that'll stop by and the teacher himself or herself will say, can I get a little Martha time? Can I pet Thelma Lou for a while? They just need to relax. And so they'll come down and see the dog. And I often have teachers stop at the door and they'll ask if one of their students can come down and see the dog. So not for a reading purpose, just that they have some trauma in their life. So earlier this year, I had a teacher come down and she said, I have a boy that could use some time with Martha today. Um, his dad died suddenly, and he's having a tough time. So later on um, in the day, this boy came to the door, and he came in, and it was just Martha and I and this boy. And so Tim sat on the floor, and I handed him the dog brush, and he just started petting Martha, and he was petting her quite a long time and just talking to her. And he was telling Martha about his, you know, what he liked at lunchtime and what he liked to play in the playground and how he fought with his brother, And he would probably talk to Martha for seven or eight minutes when all of a sudden he stopped and he said, "Um, you know, I'm here today. I'm here because my dad died. And then he started to tell Martha all about his dad's sudden death and how his dad had um, died of an overdose. And this little boy knew all about that. And he told her how they were going to have a memorial service for his dad later that week. And I realized that the boy had no idea I was even in the room anymore. I wasn't there at all. It was just him and Martha, and the hairbrush. He just kept brushing her and talking to her. I think that was very, very soothing for him. And he probably spent 12, 14 minutes here talking to Martha. And he, on his own, said, well, I think I'll go back to class. I think he felt better that he had had time to talk to someone.
0: It is unbelievable how people, I mean, really any age, how easy it is for us to let our guard down and be vulnerable with dogs. Right.
1: So when I started this with the therapy dogs, I figured I could rock the reading thing. I, I, after thirty some years of teaching, I thought I could do that part, but I was kind of nervous about that if um I went to the nursing home or if a teacher sent me a child that was having that they were upset about something, that I wouldn't know what to say or I wouldn't know what to do or I'd say the wrong thing. But and I thought, well, you know, I've been a teacher all these years, and I've been a mom, I should be able to do this. But just as I told that story about Timmy, that Tim came down and talked to Martha, I didn't really have to know what to say. I'm not here when when that kind of situation comes up, and someone from the nursing home or a student comes down to talk to the dog, they really don't even know I'm here. So, in a sense, I, in a sense, I've lost my identity in that, and that's okay with me. That um, I can't tell you how many times I've been at Walmart or something, and I'll hear some little voice say, "Hey, there's Martha's mom." <laughs> they they don't even know what my name is. And they often, if I walk down the hall, they say, hi, Thelma Lou, or hi, Martha. They they don't say hi to me. The teachers, too. The teachers all greet the dogs and don't say hi to me. And that's absolutely okay with me.
0: All right, that is our show. Once again, feel free to nominate a teacher in your life to be on the show. Or if you've got a topic suggestion, send us those, too, at niu.edu. Wherever you're listening to us, like, subscribe, share, leave us a rating, tell people about it so we can get even more cool stories like Trudy's on our show special thanks of course to Trudy Delorier for being on this week's show big shout out to the Rockford area band Kind us for the amazing music we get to hear thank you to Spencer Tritt of course for the wonderful Teachers Lounge logo and we will be back very very soon with another episode of Teachers Lounge I've been your host Peter Medlin have a great week